Hello and welcome. My name is uh, Adam Curtis and I'm the curate here at Christchurch. It's a joy to be with you in the building and for all those watching online. And as we come to God's word, let us uh, come in prayer. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Dearest God, Heavenly Father, we come before you this day and we pray, please, will you enable our hearts and our minds to be humble and to be ready to listen to everything that you have to say to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. The book of uh, Hebrews, it's sort of going to achieve two things. So for those people who might be seeking, um, looking into Christianity, investigating Jesus, just thinking about who he is, then the book of Hebrews almost acts as a window, a window to allow a seeker just to look in. What, is it, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? It acts as a window. But the book of Hebrews, um, for those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus, it's doing something a little bit different. The book of Hebrews, it is asking us to imagine that our life is, uh, is, is on a boat, that we're on a boat and we're going on a journey. It's asking us to imagine that we're on this boat going on a journey and we've left a land far behind us. And on, on that land far behind us, well, it was a land of chaos and it was a land of death, and it was a land of pain and suffering. And we've gone on our boat, and we have set sail across the seven seas, and we're across the ocean right now. And we're heading to a new land, a land which we can't currently see. We're going to a new island, a promised land, a land of perfection and joy where tears and, and sadness are, are but a memory. We're leaving the world behind. We're on our boat and we're heading to this new land. And Hebrews is calling out to us not to, not to drift away. We're on this boat and don't, don't drift away because if we, if we drift away, then we'll miss it. And we'll never make it to the promised land. And so then the question is, well, how are we going to stay focused? When we're out at sea, how are we going to get to this land we cannot see? And Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. As we are on this boat, as we are leaving the world behind, as we are heading to the promised land across the ocean, we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus, to follow like a star which is up in the, in the sky. And if we stay pointed at this star, then we will make it to the promised land. But why is Jesus, why is he a star we need to be fixed on? If we put our thoughts on Jesus, why, why does that mean we're going to make it home? And our passage today gives us four reasons to fix our thoughts on Jesus. Our first reason is that Jesus is our king. Jesus is our king. If you have a Bible, look down at chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 6. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honour and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. 
These verses here are sort of painting a picture of what the purpose of humanity is and also painting a picture of the reality of humanity. It's painting this picture, it's quoting from, from Psalm 8 about what is the purpose of humanity. God made all of humankind to be rulers. Everything under our feet we were meant to rule, to guide, to be in control of. And yet, even though that is our purpose as, as humans, that is not our reality. We look around us and we see a world in chaos. We see it on the headlines of our newspapers as we hear about the rising heat of our planet and the global warming just seems so overwhelming. We hear about that chaos and that carnage. We, we've been experiencing chaos and carnage with lockdowns and pandemics. We feel chaos and carnage within our own families and our loved ones. We feel that chaos and carnage when we look inside our own hearts and we see the reality of, of who we are and we feel that, that war and that tug in different directions. Humanity was created to be in control of everything under their feet and yet that is not our reality. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. But, verse 9, but, and that is a word which is loaded, it is loaded with hope. But we do not see, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour, because he suffered death, so that the, by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Humanity is not in control, and we know that too well but we see the one who is. We see the one who is wearing a crown. And he wears a crown because Jesus Christ is the best of us. He fulfills all these promises which were made in Psalm 8. And Psalm 8 is drawing back to promises that were made in Genesis when humanity was created. All of these promises are fulfilled in Jesus. He is the best of us. And he wears a crown because he suffered death for us. He tasted death so that we don't have to. And in tasting death, he conquers death. And in conquering death, he breaks the power of death. And breaking the power of death, he demonstrates why he deserves to be given a crown. He demonstrates in conquering and beating death why he is in control of everything under his feet. Because even death, even death could not contain him. Even death could not control him. Even death could not stop him. Because he died and he rose. So Jesus is our king. He is crowned with all glory and honour. He is the best of us. He is our king. But secondly, Hebrews chapter 2 is telling us Jesus is our brother. So Jesus is our king, but Jesus is also our brother. Verse 10 in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. So through the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross, through his suffering, he qualifies us. We who were aliens, we who were orphans, we who were rebels, and our children of God, and our sons were now daughters of our Father who art in heaven. Verse 10 continues, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, 
for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Now, on first reading, those, those words make sense. So through Jesus' death, through his suffering, God the Father makes him perfect. But then we think about that a bit more and we're like, God the Father is making Jesus perfect? I thought Jesus was already perfect. It's only because he is perfect that he's able to die for us. It's only because he's perfect that his death qualifies us. So what does this mean here, that through his death he's made perfect? Well, I don't think it's talking about Jesus, Jesus on a moral, ethical level. Morally he's perfect. Ethically he's perfect. But I do think it is talking about Jesus as Jesus was. He came to, he came to earth and he became a limited human being who slept, who wept, who ate. He was weak in these characteristics which he shared with us. But this verse 10 follows from verse 9 where Jesus is being crowned and that linking with Jesus being crowned is taking Jesus dies on the cross, he rises from the dead, he's ascended to heaven, that's where he's crowned. So I think when we read here about Jesus being made perfect, it is linking the idea of Jesus, his ascension, that he's no longer limited by a human body. He is now in complete and full authority as the eternal son, no longer needing to sleep and eat. And that is why he is perfect. So let's finish these verse 10 to 11. So in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Verse 11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Through Jesus' suffering, he makes us children of God. As children of the Father, we're now in the same family as Jesus. And this means we're able to call Jesus our brother. He makes us children of the Father, so we're able to call him our brother. And this cry is then a cry of truth. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am, the children God has given me. Do you ever find yourself envious of a brother-sibling relationship? Now, I don't think I'm, I'm the best brother in the world. So there's many opportunities in my life where I am actually very envious of a brother-sibling relationship. I see it in good friends of mine, and I long for it, and I want it. Take that picture of that brother-sibling relationship you're, you're jealous of, envious of. It's that arm around the shoulder. It's that quick and easy laugh. It's that thick of thieves mentality. Take that picture. That is how Jesus is to you. Take that picture. That is how Jesus is to us. He is our brother. Jesus is our brother. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our brother. But Hebrews chapter 2 is also telling us Jesus is our liberator. Verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. We may not like it, we may not even believe it, but all humans are slaves. 
All human beings are slaves. And the chains which shackle us, which are, which are twisted around us, they're the chains of the fear of death. Death causes such fear because it causes our bodies to decay. Death causes such fear because it robs us enjoying the things we've achieved in life. Death causes fear because, because it takes away those we love. Death causes fear because it is the gateway to God's judgment where we will give an account for the lives we have lived. And the one who holds these chains, which shackle us, this fear of death, is the devil himself. And he holds them in front of our eyes and he shakes them in front of us, forcing us to confront our mortality forcing us to confront our fate. But Jesus, he chose to share our human form of flesh, to share our human form of blood. He became like us. Why? Why does he have to become a human to die to save us? Because the penalty for sin is death. So Jesus pays that penalty for us. Our sins deserve death, so Jesus comes and takes that place. And now we who trust in Jesus, we will die, but we have nothing to fear from death. Because everything that death held over us is taken. And now when we will die, the gates will be opened to eternal life with our creator. So Jesus, he is our liberator. He is our liberator. It's like we were in prison. And we're all sat there along the prison wall and we're all just chained to the, to the wall. And we can't go anywhere with this fear of death just held over us. And the prison master of the devil rattling these chains in our face and it's like Jesus smashes through the door and he comes with some big hammer, a blacksmith's hammer, and he smashes off the chains of fear and death and he says, you're free. And he smashes off the chains of fear and death and the next person says, you're free. And he smashes off the chains of fear and death of the next person and you are free. Jesus is our liberator. Jesus is our king. He is our brother. He is our liberator. And he is our priest. He is our priest. In life, we all need people. When we're very young, we need teachers to educate us. When we're ill, we need doctors to help us get better. We're in, when we're in trouble, we need lawyers to cover our backs. We need people. Do we know that we need a priest? We need priests. And I'm not talking about the clergy with our dog collars on, me and Tom. I'm talking about a real priest. I'm talking about a priest who can bridge the gap between humanity and between God. Do we know we need a priest? Because Jesus has come to be our priest. Verse 16. For surely it is not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus became human so that he could become our perfect priest. Jesus became human so he could offer this perfect sacrifice. Jesus became human to be this priest offering this perfect sacrifice so he could make a perfect bridge between humanity 
and between God. And Jesus, our great high priest, he is not distant from us. He is not cold. He is not far. He was tempted in every way, just like how we are tempted. He became a human. He knows what it is to be weak. He knows what it is to mourn. He knows what it is to weep. He became a human. And for 40 days in the wilderness, the devil was whispering lies into his ear. And, on, and in the garden, before Jesus was sent to the cross, he faced the ultimate temptation. Jesus knows what it is to be tempted because he became like us. He became one of us. He understands. He comprehends. He's felt it. He's known it, so he's able to help. Jesus is our king. He is our brother. He is our liberator. He is our priest. So what is God then saying to us today from Hebrews chapter 2? A book written hundreds of years ago. What is he saying to us here in Sidcup? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Do you feel the chaos and the carnage in your own hearts, your own minds, your own lives? And look to Jesus because he is our king. Do you feel isolated and alone? Well, then look to Jesus because he is our brother. Do you feel battered by the devil like he's whispering in your ear and going to tear you down? Well, look to Jesus because he is our liberator. Do you feel like you're being tempted on every side and you're just about to fall into a pit? Well, look to Jesus because he is our priest. Hebrews asks us to imagine that we're on a boat and it calls us to follow a star. We are leaving the world behind us of death and agony and pain and suffering and sin and wickedness. And we're heading to a promised land of beauty and perfection and glory and majesty where we will be with our creator God forever and ever. And we will get there if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the star, and follow it true and do not drift. But as we are on this boat, we are not here alone. We do not sail alone. We look over our shoulder and we see, oh, there's, there's Tom in the boat next to us. Oh, and there's, there's Anya in the boat next to him. And we look over our shoulder, oh, there's, there's John in the boat next to us. And there's, there's Caroline over there. We are this little armada heading together to the promised land, following the star together because there will be times when we're tired, when we're bored, when we're distracted, when we're angry. There'll be times when we just let go of that steering wheel and we start to drift off in another direction. And it's in those times that we're going to need those people around us to say, come back, don't go that way, that way leads to death and judgment, come back. Come back this way. Come back. Follow the star. Follow Jesus. Set your thoughts on him. That's the way to life. And there'll be times where we'll, we'll see them wandering off on their little boats and we'll be like, no, come back. Come back this way. Follow Jesus. Only he is our king. Only he is our brother. Only he is our liberator. Only he is our priest. Come back. Come back to Jesus. 
Hebrews invites us to imagine that our life is a boat and calls us together to follow the star, to fix our thoughts on Jesus, to look to Jesus, our King, our brother, our liberator, our priest. Let us pray. Oh, dearest God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak into the reality of our lives. The good times, the bad times, the easy times, the hard times, the chaos, the suffering, the temptations. You speak into the reality of our experiences and in each and every time you call us back to Christ. So help us, Father God, to hear your word. Help us with our our thoughts to, to refocus on Jesus and to see him for who he is in his majesty and in his splendor, in his suffering and in his goodness, in his compassion, draw us back to him and help us, Father God, to encourage one another, to stand by one another, to be a family of God together and together help us fix our thoughts on Jesus today and tomorrow and next month and next year and in the years to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.